This is the Sky's Blue Podcast. Well, hello everybody, Merry Christmas, Sky is Blue podcast is back, hot on the heels of being 127th in the iTunes sporting podcast chart, just how good does that feel? So it's me, Phil Tooley, Paul Fisher, Daryl Carpenter and Stuart Basson to talk all things Spyrites for the next hour and hour, hour and a bit or something along those lines. What, what, how does it feel to be superstars, 127th? In the iTunes podcast list, Paul, it's you know, has, has it changed your life? Well, well, incredibly so. Uh, yes, um, nothing's happened, but it's still changed my life anyway. So it's, it's been nice to be acknowledged, isn't it, and get up to 127. I seem to remember though, when when we were we were the uh, official podcast uh, members, uh, the original members of the official podcast, uh, Stuart and Phil and I, uh, with Adam Hume as well. I, I seem to think, we are, or, or vaguely remember, that Adam mentioned that we jumped to number one in the uh, in the obscure podcast category. I think. There were early uh, days, so, uh, weren't they? It was yeah, probably by virtue of being the only one. <laughs> the only one, yeah. The, I think so. The, the listener really must have listened to it twice. I think. So, uh, so that was it. Um, well, well, well yeah, I never, that, I never thought I'd hear the conversation with people asking you, "Did you listen to such and such a podcast?" I've never heard of ninety-nine point nine percent of the no. ones that people ever mentioned to me. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's just probably me missing uh, missing out. Okay. But it's, it's obviously since Carol, uh, since Carol, Daryl, since Carol Daryl uh, <laughs> joined, he's made the difference. You've obviously brought all that East Stand massive. Well, they're, they're a big bunch. They're a big bunch in <laughs> ways, yeah. So they've obviously helped tip the scales, yeah. I can't, I can't well, ever remember when we were dropped from being official, to be honest. I don't know why well, I think we've officially been dropped from being official now because there is yeah, no yeah, official. I think we have now. <laughs> Yes, no, no, of course it was Adam Hume who's now doing great things with the media at Liverpool, isn't it, uh, mm. that, that uh, got us all together in the first place. I think we were in the Ernie Moss room, probably made our debut, did we? Was it in, in oh, there? It was in, the, in the old press room. At, in the old uh, press room, wasn't Proax, it? Yes. So, yeah. mm. Was it the old press yeah. room, was it? Oh, yeah. well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll bow to your... Uh, your, your superior memories in in those th- sort of things. Anyway, since since our last appearance, we've we've played three matches: uh, Sutton, Barnet, and Brackley. And we could have a half an hour talk about did we beat Brackley or not, because I think it's got a little D next to it in the uh, in the record books. Uh, um, and we've we've had time to reflect on all of the new signings that James Rowe has made: Asante, uh, McCourt. Whelan, Taylor and Carline. We can talk about uh, Milan Butterfield and Luke Rawson going out on loan. Throw forward to, well, of course, there's got to be no matches over Christmas. And uh, throw forward to Boston United and uh, going to play them in the next round of the FA Trophy. Um, but, you know, it's it's going swimmingly on the park, uh, guys, isn't it? Does uh, you know, Sutton away. Let's, let's talk about that first and foremost. Just how... Bigger win was that. Sutton had beaten Solihull Moors, one of the toughest teams in the division, 4-1 the previous weekend. They, they were second in the table at the time. And 
the sort of National League team that I think a lot of people aspire to. They could play and they can be uh, tough uh, uh, as well. So just how impressive a victory was that that Tuesday night down in uh, in Surrey? I think I, I think I summed it up after the game to a pal of mine as just utterly professional. Um, from minute one, we had a game plan. Um, we were prepared to soak up pressure when we needed to, but barring one effort in the first half that I think was probably going wide and leather and got a touch on, they weren't threatening. They had plenty of possession, but they weren't threatening. We looked very comfortable. And then as the half grew on, we came more and more into it, created a couple of chances, scored the goal, and then really could have gone in without being exaggerating, three up at half-time. And came out in the second half, just for me, controlled the game. And it was so nice as a town fan. I mean, we all moan about what teams do to us to see games out. But we were just so professional at the end, you know, taking the ball into the corner, uh, wasting time, cynical fouls on halfway and stuff. <laughs> it, was, it was a joy to watch. Um, I mean, it wasn't... Uh, wasn't a barn it's obviously in terms of entertainment but you just sat back and thought my god he's come up with a plan against a decent side they were clearly a decent side and, and as you said Phil had got some good results so it was uh, it was a very comforting result very comforting result Stuart could have been John Duncan sitting in the dugout couldn't it <laughs> ah, well it, it, it you know whatever you say about John Duncan's teams they were sent out properly prepared well organized everybody understood what they had to do and that as daryl said was was the hallmark of that display um you know to go to a team like sutton every we're fond of saying x number of weeks ago we'd have got tonked but you know we x number of weeks ago we'd have got tonked wouldn't we um but but uh, i mean it's amazing how a change of manager can bring that sort of change about in pretty much the same players. I mean, there might what were there four or five new ones, so half the side at least was the same side as as he inherited, you know. And yet there is a greater organisation and understanding to them. Um, and and it's difficult sometimes as a fan to understand how that can be possible, isn't it? And and Paul, why on earth did we resign Hayden Hollis? Because he can obviously play a little bit. I think, well, would think that might be. Uh, I would I would assume so. Yes, uh, this. Uh, well, it just shows playing uh, players or whatever James Rowe has spotted about uh, where he would like his players. And we touched on this in the last podcast about pushing Evans out to the right, you know, Hollis leading in the centre and then Maguire settled at left hand side of the, the back three. You know, it's players in their positions that they prefer to be in, um, um, you know, but you imagine Evans and Hollis could play as a two. But, you know, yeah, yeah. It's no coincidence, I think, that uh, Hollis has obviously been left out for for a reason. Not sure sure why, but coming in to the uh, starting eleven, results have, have started to pick up when you know players of his experience and he's played over sort of 250 games now. Uh, you know, slotted into this into this position. He played well back end of last season, and uh, for some reason, I don't know, I don't know why, but he was left out at the start of the, the season. He's fresh and ready to play. And he slotted in like uh, like no uh, like no tomorrow. Another thing that impressed me about that game against Sutton, and, and Stuart touched on this a moment ago, was about how Joel Taylor and George Carline are making their debuts, 
could just slot in as if they played 50 odd games you know they they yeah. really were in, impressive on the, on debut and it just shows then it, that they they are good players that can just play at that uh, into that side if they can just just slot in like that and that solidity at the back that was there because you know a, a little bit like Aldershot the week before they got four pretty nifty raiders at Sutton uh, down the wings and the uh, and the front two and they were interchangeable and fast and tricky but by having Evans at the right and Hollis in the centre of three, two positions that neither of those players have played on a regular basis for Chesterfield, just seems to have brought that additional togetherness uh, uh, there as well. Uh, and, you know, in front of those, you've got midfielders who can break up play and create play. How, how good is that, Stuart? Well, it, it is tremendous, isn't it, that, that you've got... Um almost four, four four or five midfielders who can all get from one end of the pitch to the other quickly, you know. And again, all have been given roles and had had what's expected of them explained to them and they've all taken it on, you know. Um, and, and the difference is immeasurable, really. It, it, it's quite bizarre, really, to see, you know, the difference in the side. Um, between now and 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 what it was, um, you know, the start of the season or whenever, it, uh, it it's remarkable, really is. And and, and Daryl, it is, you know, that the, there are you know, the, the defenders are defending, the midfielders are defending and creating, and the strikers are defending and scoring. It is that defend from the front. We've heard James Rowe talk about, oh, we had so many turnovers of possession in, in there, you know, in, in the attacking third, that means that they, uh, the opposition attack a lot less. And all of a sudden, Kyle Leatherman has become a, a world beater because he only has to worry about two or three, two or three things a game now, as opposed to 10 or a dozen uh, uh, things a game. And, and, and that defending from the front, easy to say, difficult to do, Daz. Well, it, it takes a work ethic, doesn't it? And an understanding of when to press and how to press. But you've got to go as a team as well, not as individuals, because you get picked off. And to have ingrained that into him as early as he has is, is fairly remarkable. And he talks about this engagement line, doesn't he? How far up the pitch we've moved 20 yards further up the pitch before we engage. Mm. Well, I, I don't, I don't think he's watched every video. I think we're probably 40 yards further up the pitch. Than that. <laughs> um, and it makes such a difference because if, if you can nick the ball, and, and let's face it, we're against teams at that level who aren't that comfortable on the ball if you put them under pressure. Mm. So they either kick it out or give it you back. And if they give it you back, you've generally got a, at least you know, a, a five on six or a, or a four on three or something, um, which because you've been putting pressure on the ball high up the pitch, the numbers are in your favour very often. So it's a remarkable transformation with such, you know, from the outside looks such a simple change. And, and also, Paul, when, you know, you are sort of... Uh, in that protecting something that you've got position at the end and the opposition is starting to throw the kitchen sink forward, all of a sudden there's the outlet and a bit more pace in there to play really effectively on the counter-attack. We've not had to do it much into James Rowe so far because you know, the, uh, quite a few of the games have been, have been relatively comfortable. But Aldershot played on the, the counter 
uh, uh, reasonably well. Uh, and, and we were playing reasonably well on the counter at Sutton as well when they were starting to throw the kitchen sink forward, even though that kitchen sink rarely got into Chesterfield's own 18-yard area. But that ability to break out quickly is there as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's And one player that's key to that is one of which I found earlier on in the season when we played Woking was Liam Mandeville. He seems to come on and keep hold of possession of the ball he seems to drive it as well i know i don't think he came on against sudden though in actual fact but he, he just seems to play when he gets when he gets uh, onto the boards keeps hold of it doesn't lose it and when we uh, we beat woking under uh, under john pemberton he was the one that sort of helped along with that as well and taking the ball into the opposition area and keeping it there you know not just giving away cheap possession and uh, allowing pressure onto your back uh, back three or back five or, or whatever, and he, he was key to that. But I think you're right with the counter-attacks as well. They've got speedy players. If Asante's still there, Bowden's come on with fresh legs at 20, to, 20 minutes to go, keeping hold of the ball, taking it into the corners. You know, th- th- these are things that we weren't really doing, and that's why we're conceding late goals, you know, so uh, early on in the campaign. Now, that, that, uh, the, the time-wasting at, at Sutton, as you alluded to, Daryl, earlier on, was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. But for five years, it's been the other way around, hasn't well, it? Uh, so game management in a position that we can uh, dust off the uh, the volume of tactics that hasn't been used very often yeah. in the last five years, and all of a sudden look very, very good at it. It was uh, it was refreshingly uh, 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 bad, which makes it refreshingly good. Does <laughs> yeah? No, it's. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't be cynical, should we? But the other thing, of course, we've not been ahead that often to practice it. But anyway, right. uh, <laughs> we, uh, it just shows a different mentality to me right through the team. Um, and again, as Paul was saying, every sub that comes on is coming on with a purpose and a job to do and seems to know exactly what that is. It's not, I don't think we've had a panic substitution so far. Every single one's been thought through and done for a reason. Hmm. And then, of course, on the back of that Sutton game, which I think probably had a lot of uh, managers and other teams in the National League sort of having a look of thinking, oh, wow, you know, that's that's not a bad result. On the back of that, of course, uh, Barnet came in town. And to be fair, they weren't on a great run, not like Sutton. They weren't on a great run. Um, but, they, you know, they've got some players. They've got some good players. But Chesterfield had a decent first half, should have probably uh, scored a couple of goals before they did get get the uh, opener but then that second half was just something uh, something special really wasn't it uh, uh, Stuart it was you know five, five goals in a 45 minute period isn't something that pops up every now and again no nope. first okay. time since Reading for us was it yeah in, in the 70s yeah. yeah and we kept that was a come from behind mm. they scored yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, y- it, it's again it's it's peculiar as a Chesterfield supporter to watch your team punish another team so so severely isn't it you know it, it just hasn't really happened over the last um well since Shrewsbury I suppose um and as you say it's not I mean Barnet weren't very good but you know and after they went about three down I suppose they could have tried to put the shutters up, but they probably found there weren't any shutters. 
um and and i think probably by that time they they decided that they were kind of all mentally on the coach and on the way back home to london mm. um which is a shame really for you know for for, for them as individuals and self-respect and all of that and a shame for their supporters um but we we, we were just absolutely clinical in that weren't we I, I really and, and determined all the way Really, I mean, you I look at they were on the way back to London on the coach. Uh, as, as I left, I, I hung around a little bit at the ground because I got to click and collect from a well-known store next door to the uh, thing at six o'clock. And just as I was driving out at uh, one minute to six, the Barnet coach was coming back into the team into the car park, so they'd obviously forgotten something. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite sure what, but uh, the, the, the defence probably. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah probably gone back to pick up the manager. Yeah. We've got yeah. <laughs> We've got to, uh, and then he got back and thought, "Oh no, we haven't got one of them." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, I mean, it, it, but, but Paul, even in the the glory days of Cookie and the first uh, season at the uh, at the then B two net under Sheridan, would we have scored the fifth and the sixth goals in the circumstances? I'm talking about when you're four nil up with five minutes to go. I'm not talking about the first minute of a game. I'm talking about the last five minutes when you're four nil up. You've won the game. The first one, Asante passed from 15 yards inside his own half to, was it uh, Whelan on the halfway line who then overhit the pass? Yeah. And Asante got it, kept mm -hmm. it in. Then had to sprint and keep it in again. Then he had four Barnet players in front of him to score. So he'd run 75 yards and mm -hmm. done two impossible keepings. And then McCourt, uh, James Rowe, uh, uh, said after the match he'd run 50 yards to to do the tapping. Well, he hadn't. He'd run about 80 yards. When you look at the – there was the BT camera in the West End. Mm. When you see that view of the goal, he'd run a lot more than that. And so – and that's in the last minute. So those long-busting runs at 4-0 with five minutes left, I Paul, couldn't have seen that those goals being scored in those circumstances in modern times, probably – in even more ancient than modern times as well. Well, what did John Duncan and Kevin Randall used to come up with? Was it the fact that they used to say, "Was it uh, don't don't score too many goals because we might need one for next week or something"? So <laughs> you know, they, they could have been that 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 scenario. Now, the only example I can think of um, was when Dan Gardner made his debut and he came on as a sub clearly wanted to make an impression and with about five minutes to go we played Barry, i think we beat him three or four nil or he might have been fourth he got but he came on and he was all over the park he was like mm. he was like he just let a dog off a dog off his lead <laughs> who hadn't been you know on, on a walk for 20 years or something he was just absolutely everywhere he managed to get his goal he was he was everywhere that's that's the only example i can think of it was mm. it was incessant wasn't it really anyway and then mm. they got the 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 fourth goal with 10 minutes to go didn't they so you know, there's there's a chance you're looking at there, and you're thinking, well, oh, blimey, they can score more here, and they did, they did, didn't they? So, you know, that is uh, that, that's pressure on. And, and and James Rowe said afterwards, didn't he? he said that there could have been more goals. Coming, so. I, I I felt at four nil that we'd score more goals. It was just the type of those two goals that yeah. they were. Mm. That yeah. They were both causes that were never even going to be lost because they were causes that didn't exist. Yeah, both led to, uh, uh, to 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 goals be, be, being scored. And okay, Asante had got that Dan Gardner uh, uh, sniff of a hat trick opportunity, hadn't he? That Gardner was was the debut. Uh, uh, but 
Jack McCourt. <laughs> you know, he's he's been around yeah, CD true, yeah. and all before, and and they were just there were goals that you know. I, I, obviously, I'm lucky enough to be at the uh, the, the games, but the goals, Daryl, that you can't really appreciate live you have to see them again to realize how good they were yeah well you you look back at that asante one as you say phil and he's come back into his own half we've won the ball outside our own box he's laid it off to whelan and just gone just turned and gone whelan has overhit the pass and it, it, it'd been quite within his normal rights four nil to us oh sod that yeah. And the Barnet guy was trying to take him out just for good measure as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. correct. And no, it was just I, I can get this. I'm keeping it in. Then, as you say, he, over, he overhit it with the next touch, so I had to do another sprint. But I tell you what, as soon as he got to the byline, I know we got bodies in the box, but there was no way he was passing. <laughs> it was. No, uh, no. But great to see. Great to see. Well, and is this is this the thing we've been on about for ages? You get players who aren't, who haven't got ideas above the station, play the game more for the love of the game, and uh, are prepared to put in that extra five percent. And that's what we're talking about. It is, it's you know, you're not, you're not reinventing the wheel here, but that extra run, that extra sprint. Um, it's it's earned McCourt an eighteen-month contract, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, mm. and, and deservedly so because. His, his passing's been terrific since he came back. His work rate's been fantastic. He's sat in front of the back four. But then, as you say, Phil, to make a 50, 60, 70, 80 yard run, whatever it was, I mean, it was a hilarious finish hitting him on the on the <laughs> chin or whatever he did and then onto his slide to go in. But the fact he'd even got there was, was you know, worth, worth merit, wasn't it? Tremendous. And whilst, you know, uh, I think on a online poll Asante's hat-trick earning the Man of the Match award. I think most of the people who were there and sort of uh, uh, were discussing it, he, he, he was no more than the third best player on Chesterfield's <laughs> team because the court was incredible and Whelan was incredible. And yeah. when was the last time that we were able to say, Stuart, about you know two central midfield players have played that well. Yeah, we're back in the Morsi Ryan era, aren't we? We are, aren't we? You know, we're back to a moment when I used to do commentary and I turned to whoever I was doing it with, James probably at the time, and said if there's ever a time when I appear to take Morsi and Ryan for granted, then hit me, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because they were playing that well and, and just sort of strolling about with it, you know. Um, and, that, and that was our style at the time, wasn't it? And what you said about not necessarily chasing the game hard enough in the last 10 to convert 4-0 into 6-0 was probably what would have happened under Cook. You know, there would have been a bit more, not showboating so much when we were 4-0 up, but there would have been certainly a more relaxed approach to the game, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't think of anyone in that side apart from Dan Gardner on his debut who would have made that run that McCourt did. For the six, well, I think we can confidently say Gary Roberts wouldn't have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, no. we could, I mean, on a serious note, it's it's important because it's goal difference and it could mean an extra point, oh, yeah. couldn't it? Yeah, like, you know. Mm. Bang on, Paul, and that was going to be a point that I was going to uh, uh, to, to raise because uh, all of a sudden, you know, whilst all the defeats we were having were only by an odd goal, so we were never drifting. Uh, on goal difference we're now 
are on the same sort of goal difference as, as those teams hovering around the playoff zone. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you're slightly better than the ones hovering around the relegation zone. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, uh, an absolutely uh, fantastic second half. It wasn't about 90 minutes, to be fair, but the second half was was exceptional. And, and we saw Carline Taylor, Whelan, McCourt and Asante for, for what they were worth, but mm. equally right up there with, with the, the, the best of the best on the day was, was Hollis, again, as, uh, as usual. Marshalling the the defence in a way that that didn't allow Barnet any uh, any sniffs at all, and then of course we're on to uh, uh, um, Cup Football FA Trophy Bracket Town who won here February last year two 0 the in the defence of their FA Trophy that they'd won the season before they'd got seven players in their starting lineup who were FA Trophy winners six of them with Brackley and. And, and one Ash uh, Connor had, had won with York in uh, 2012, I think it was. So they know <clears throat> they know what it takes to win that tournament. They come on the back of four consecutive wins. They come on the back of winning a couple of um, penalty shootouts in the FA Cup as well. So you know, a, a very settled side. There, there were a lot of those players who played February last year, uh, and, and the manager been there five years. So no, no tough. Uh, you know, a tough nut to crack. But Daryl, again, Chesterfield just found what was needed. And, and apart from uh, a, a miss in the latter stages by Brackley, pretty much kept them out the uh, the scoring, potential scoring stakes, and um, found a way to win, Daryl. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I mean, we do look, we, we do look such a different unit um, at the back, but it starts at the front. Um, I mean, Scotty Bowden's struggling a bit for confidence still. I mean, his penalty was a shocker again, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Maybe but, one of those county looked good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, just just touching on the penalties, I'm sure we will later. But they were the worst collection of twelve penalties you've ever seen in your life, weren't they? I mean, there were some shockers in there. Um, the guy who tried to do the Penenka was a centre half. I mean, God help me. Um, but now, getting back to your point, we kept him out again. I think Leatherance had two saves, maybe two saves. Hmm. Any he's maybe? he's gone from being a guy who concedes two goals a game into yeah. a guy that don't get two shots a game now, hasn't he? Exactly. Mm. And, uh, I, I noticed somebody on social media at the weekend christened uh, Hayden Hollis Hollis Bauer, and he is playing a bit. <laughs> he is playing a bit like that at the minute, isn't he? Um, hmm. But it's it's great to see. I mean, one of the players that you touched on him earlier, Phil, that I think is different gravy to what we've had in so many years is Whelan. The, mm. the guy, oh, yeah, it looks quality. Yeah. yeah, the guy's got an engine. He's two-footed. He can pass. He's clearly got a goal in him. I mean, I don't know how it looked on Saturday, but for me, when a ball's travelled 70, 80 yards and he's made a running behind, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Near offside. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fantastic first touch. Beauty, and then, wasn't it? Yeah. And just slid it down the side of the keeper. But the way he manoeuvres the ball when he's in tight areas. Yeah. And he's got his head up the whole time. He's always looking forward for a pass. I think we've got a real gem there. I think yeah, he looks yeah, so languid, it, doesn't he? So it, when he plays, looks so languid. He's one into his 20s. You know, you'd have thought it'd have been picked up a little bit. I, I, know, yeah. I know I know he's played for, for Yeovil and everything, but 
clearly James Rowe's seen something in him and knows how to get it out of him. Uh, uh, and, and I think probably one of the one of the things that's triggered in Tom Whelan's own mind, and I don't know this, I've not had the conversation with him, is is back as a full is, is a full time footballer, and he you know he had a get out clause at Weymouth about yeah. if a if an offer comes to be a full-time... So he clearly wants to be a full-time footballer. Right. I think now he's got the opportunity, uh, Stuart. He doesn't want to throw mm. it away, and he's playing exactly like that, isn't he? He absolutely is, yes. There are times when you look at him, um, you know, particularly in that cup match, um, and you think that, that there's a League One footballer there, you know? Um, hopefully with us, but... <laughs> You know, um, some of these players you look at and you think, "Oh, now long we're going to keep these." You know, um, whereas sort of in the in the past, you'd look at one or two players and thought, "I wonder how long we're stuck with them." You know, yeah. but, uh, what a change round! What an absolute change round! You know, and 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 the new players have come in and contributed so much that has enabled the existing players to, um, I not rediscover their ability, but. But to improve their own game, you know, in ways that we that we wouldn't have, you know, we we, we might have thought that you know the likes of Lawrence Maguire, for instance, was a better player than than what we were seeing. But it wasn't until some of these newer players came in and reshaped, helped reshape the whole team, that people like Lawrence have been able to steadily improve their game, game by game, um, over the last few. And, and those those players have got new pegs in the ground from those around them because there's five new players in there who are all involved. They're all in the team and they're showing the way forward along with the, the manager. So it's that new peg in the ground that's vital as well, Paul, isn't it? Yeah, de definitely. I mean, the example of uh, George Carline, he can play midfield, he can play right wing back, he can play left wing back as if he's played there all the time. He's not even left footed. Mm -hmm. you know, and he's got a long throw as well. <laughs> and yeah, you can head a ball. Yeah. So you know it's 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 remarkable, really. It's he's uh, certainly and, and and James Rowe did delude that he goes under the radar. Well, that that's every player needs a utility player. So every every club mm -hmm. rather needs a utility player, and he, he's he's perhaps the, the one, isn't he? So it's yeah. just remarkable how they, they, they've settled in and they've they've kind of I, I don't know whether the players before were sort of well they must have been lacking in confidence. You know, furious with themselves at conceding late goals and whatnot. And you know, a change of manager, just say you're a you know you're you're a good player, you know, just just certainly up tempo. They've having to fight for their place because managers bringing new players in. You know, he could be you next. You know, that's going to be uh, ousted. So you know, you, you up the, oh, they're up the game. You know, Hollis has been brought back into the fold. So um, it, this is a honeymoon period, and I'm hoping it lasts till the end of the end of the season. To be honest. Well, uh, I was saying to somebody the other day, if you could uh, combine Carline and Cropper and have the defensive awareness of Carline and the crossing ability of uh, Cropper, he wouldn't be playing in the National League. Carline's a great example, uh, as you were saying, Paul, because to me, he's just a 7 out of 10 every week, and it doesn't matter where you play. Yeah. And there were two incidents in that, in that Barnet game that summed Carline up for me. And talk about setting an example for those around you. For the second Asante goal that Whelan played him in on, Carline had lost the ball on, on the on the right-hand side. And he chased back 15 yards and got a foot in, a vital foot in at full stretch to knock it to Whelan, who immediately got his head up and slid Asante in, and suddenly, you know, he scored. And then there was a, a, an incident later on. We must have maybe been four up at the time. 
and he's lost the ball again raining down the right but as you say no Jordan Cropper in fairness to him but he got up off the ground and he ran back a full 40 yards and made a tackle in our in our half to win the ball back as much as say you know that's what I do yeah, which of course is which of course is him being no Jordan Dropper. Exactly, but <laughs> it, 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 it must set an example to those around you. Has to do. Yes, you, you, you're right. And Taylor's the same. He's probably taking a little bit longer to bed in than some of the other uh, 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 new guys. But once he gets once he gets just a little bit of uh, closer control working with him, and when he when he goes on his runs, because he's not afraid to go on a on a on a dr- on a run, a powerful run into players but he's, he's, he's not broken through quite enough and I think after the Brackley game whilst Taylor wasn't mentioned uh, James Rowe sort of said yeah we got we got round them quite a few times but we didn't get over them or through them yeah. and you know certainly Joel Taylor was trying to get through them and he had the uh, he was bold enough to, to try and, and and he failed on a few occasions but didn't stop him trying which is which is good, but when he's on a when he's on a run, and he's got a bit of proper wing back work to do and a bit of space. He can motor. He can motor, and his crosses are good. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think we've got the best to see of Joel Taylor yet. But what I have seen, I think you know, there is there is a best to be had out of him for sure. But uh, you know, let's let's just talk about those <laughs> those penalties because the one from Coleman. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen a goalkeeper lying on his back, waving his arms and legs in the air, waiting for the ball to arrive. I was doing sort of uh, uh, um, the commentary live on BBC Radio Sheffield because the other games had, had finished and I just burst into laughter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I don't, I, well, I've never seen a penalty uh, uh, like, like that at all. I, I'm not sure it would have actually reached the goal line. Uh, of the goalkeeper not being there, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've seen the the highlights. Leatherin just looked around at him <laughs> after he saved it when he's walking away. Disdain. Say, yeah. What on earth was that? Yeah. <laughs> Complete disdain, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Steve York said on commentary, um, uh, he's a centre half, so he'll probably just put his foot through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Uh, the and, and, and that said, you know Jack McCourt hadn't been practicing penalties, had he? And Scott Scott Bowden. Well, just you know, I, I wrote on my piece that I know on the on the club's website. You know, that by the time um, Weston took a great penalty, to be fair, and Maguire did, but yeah. I could just imagine people shouting at the at the screens, just blast it, blast it, just oh, blast yeah. it. Yeah. And because uh, that's that's just what it needed. Because uh, okay, some of the awful little dinks were successful. But were they good penalties? Well, they scored. Were they good penalties? No. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, I suppose any, any penalty is good if you score it. But the thing is, uh, you'll look foolish if you don't score. And, and that's what happened on a number of occasions with a number of the uh, 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 the efforts. And, you know, f- funnily enough, I, I'm, I'm a great believer in this. Uh, uh, um, and I've never looked at the stats because I wouldn't know where to start looking. But the team that misses the first penalty nearly always seems to lose the shootout. And so I was actually quite... Uh, sorry, the team that misses the first penalty goes on to win. Yes. So, so I was actually quite pleased when Bowden missed. I thought, oh, we're going to win now. Because mm. uh, uh, it, it does happen so so often that that's the, uh, 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 that's the case. Um, you, you could see that the players... There was, there was 
very little joy on their faces and in the body language of the Chesterfield players because I, I think they all realise we've won that with the worst set of six penalties. Well, four really <laughs> yeah. awful penalties out of six that you'll ever see in your life. And yeah. uh, oh, oh, by the way, Brackley's were even worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, they yeah. won the on penalties against Bromley. They lost on penalties in the next two playoff matches. Uh, uh, and, and they'd had two successful penalty shootouts in the FA Cup this year, so you know, they're they're well practiced at it. Whereas mm. it's we've had for a while. I don't think we've uh, mm. we had done it since Stockport, didn't we? Earlier on in the we season, did, yeah. we're unbeaten this year. But I can't remember the ones the one before that. I can't remember. Was it Walsall in the cup? Maybe under Mark Could Smith. Have Could have been after maybe. that nil nil. Was wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, uh, no, no, no. We beat Man City under twenty threes. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> when they oh, yeah, when they did the. Some heard with the uh, winning penalty as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we don't talk about the Stockport one. That's expunged from my mind. <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, and of course, Boston United, which would have been an absolute uh, crackerjack to have supporters there, new ground and everything along uh, those lines. And whilst we played Boston in friendlies, we, we, we missed them when they were in the league, Stuart, didn't we? I don't mm. think we, we yeah, played, so we we were. played in the cup in 73, 74. And, Goalkeeper Edwin Hardy's not finest hour. Uh, um, Les Hunter's uh, debut, of course. Um, yeah, we, we, we were in the division above, weren't we, when they were in the Football League very briefly. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we've had one or two friendlies there. I, I yeah, I, I've been there to, to, to yeah. a friendly. I've been down uh, to one. Um, Remember um, a Paul McGugan free kick at the uh, at the far end. Um, uh, so, um, we, that would have been one that we, I think we would have taken a fair, fair yeah. whack of supporters yes. to... Uh, to, to, to that one, so um, yes, is it somehow the sixteenth of uh, January? That's that's due. Um, all things being equal, you never quite know. Um, yeah, in, it's, it's in about the date. Have I got the date here? I think uh, it's the middle of January. Sixteenth of January. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the, the last three days of um, yeah uh, the football. After that, you have to start rearranging games if you get any further in the FA Trophy. Yeah, so. that, that, that's that's good, but. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, a, a break for the uh, for the players and the management now. But it's not just a break from playing, Daryl. It's a it's a break from training, and that must be perhaps the biggest frustration for for James Rowe because everybody has to isolate. So all you can do is ask people to keep fit. And with the wonders that he's done on the training pitch so far, that's uh, that's going to be frustrating, isn't it? Oh, very. Um, knowing Mr. Rowe, though, he'll have him on group Zoom calls. And he'll be showing them tactics and things they haven't done very well for the next um, two <laughs> weeks. Um, it is a shame because we obviously got a momentum on and off the pitch. Um, but we did say, you know, I was thinking back to the chat we had just before the first game of the season that you're going to need a slice of luck to get through this without postponements. And, and thus far, we've been quite fortunate. I mean, there are sides in our division. We've played 13 now. Some have only played nine. Mm. Um, so it's maybe our turn. Uh, and you're really dodging a bullet, aren't you, to get away with it throughout an entire campaign. Um, there's going to be a lot of football in the last three or four months, isn't there? You know, it is going to be literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And if we do have any kind of run in the trophy... Uh, God knows when we're going to be playing. It will be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, probably. <laughs> no, I, I, I personally would 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 like them to like the team to to give it their their best shot, the trophy. 
Um, yeah, I, no, I agree. Yeah, hmm. winning, winning, winning uh, breeds habit, doesn't it? Really, there. So yeah. I think that they need to. I mean, this this club is big enough at this level to win a trophy. Yeah, and and dare we say it? Uh, I know there's a higgledy piggledy amount of games that everybody's played, but you know, dare we say four points off the playoff zone that we might be playing more games than the 44 scheduled in the league at the end of the season, Stuart. You know, I, I was I was talking to somebody at the match uh, at the at the uh, Barnet game, and I said, "All right, we're going to go up." Yeah, we'll definitely get the playoffs. And he says, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, I said, "Well, if if we have, you know, we're only four points off the the, the playoffs, though." I said, "If mm. if James Road ever had this side on, you know, nominal August the first, I know we didn't start on August the first, but the first match of the season, do you think we could have been eight or nine points clear of the seventh position or eighth position?" And it was, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "Well, we only need to be four points out. There's more than half a season to go." Yeah. We only need to be four points better than that position now. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we're nine points off the relegation zone as of today. I know it'll change when we're not playing. But there's a there's a serious chance of, mm. of getting into the extended season. Not quite sure we'll be able to catch up the likes of Turkey and Sutton. No, no, no. But, but, but you know, if we, if we can get into six and seven on a bit of momentum... Yeah, that's, mm. that's a good place to be, isn't it? The, the momentum team is the one that everybody fears, isn't it? When it gets to that stage mm. of the season, and you're right. I mean, you look at the league table, and we're what seventeenth or whatever we are, and you and, and you think you, you you sort of catch yourself thinking, oh, we could get in the playoffs, and then you look and right, seventeenth, no chance. But then, as you say, there is only a very very small number of points. So there must be half the league must be on thirteen points or something, wasn't they? It's mm. You know, um, and I mean, a, a, a team around us won a game in hand um, last week, and they jumped from being one place above us to being about sixth or seventh or something like that. You know, um, well, Altrincham would be like to trade them. They got into the top mm. three, I think. Yeah, well, they hadn't. I mean, we were we were the Chesterfield of old, wasn't it? That that was a team that you called on if you hadn't managed to win all season and you needed three <laughs> points, wasn't it? You know, um, and that's what we did with Altrincham, and they and they kicked on from that. Um, but yeah, they 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 shot up there in in no time. You know, um, there, there is a very very small gap, even though there are a lot of teams, you know, between us and those places. And and I I I think we, why not why can't we do it you know you look at some of the players we've got now and the way we're playing and 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 the confidence that there is in the new men and 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 the belief that is starting to to come back into the people who you know used to come off with their heads down every game wondering you know if they would ever get a win bonus again you know and yeah. why can't we go and do it well the top of the table team we lost when we weren't lost to with a last minute goal when we weren't particularly playing well Daryl so you know if we went down to talk, play more tomorrow with what ammunition we've got now we'd be a lot more disappointed with that set of circumstances wouldn't we? Oh absolutely I mean we, looking back at that Torquay game I thought we were very unlucky not to get a point on the night then um, it, it was in discipline again at the end wasn't it the, the cost is which mm-hmm. uh, all through that run we were having with, with Pembo, um, it was a familiar pattern, but I don't think we made the same mistake twice. And the, the thing about the, the reason teams can zip up this league at the minute is twofold. One, 
if you get any degree of consistency, if you string three, four, five wins together, you'll race up this division because teams just don't do that at this level. Mm. And and the other thing is, of course, you've got teams not playing. So, you know, <laughs> having two and three games off. So the, there's this disparity as to how quick you can move up and down the division. But get, get a string of games together and you'll race through the league. I don't think there's a side with the possible exception of Stockport who look handy, but I've seen them a time or two since and they don't look quite as handy as we've made them look. Um, And Hartlepool were the other one and they're pulling up no trees either. And Mm. and really, I don't see anything at all. If Sutton are the benchmark for second place and Torquay are, you know, running away with the thing, Mm. I think they are, honestly, but uh, they are at the minute. Um, They're no better than us. Certainly no better than us now. I think with all the disruption that there has been this season, this particular season is going to be a very good one to have a go if you can get your side together, yeah, you know, and stay focused. Mm. <clears throat> very, very much so. Of course, uh, um, you know, the club are still receiving uh, uh, monies from the authorities for not playing behind closed doors. But I know, you know, on, on the, uh, the the official uh, podcast that came out just before Christmas. Uh, Mike Goodwin was saying that, uh, and, and John Crook was saying that they're, they're still not happy with the uh, with the, the divvy up. And of course, Sutton, the one game that we played in front of fans, Sutton were a- able to open their gates. Um, they got seven hundred and something against Solihull Moors on the Saturday, and seven hundred and seventy-five against Chesterfield when they were entitled to have a thousand people. Yeah. In, you know, and, and you, you look at the divvy up of cash and think how many would we have had for uh, uh, the Barnet game on the back of where we'd been in the previous few weeks and it wouldn't have been 775. <laughs> no. 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 No, 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 it certainly wouldn't. I mean, the, 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 they came out with the streaming numbers as well, didn't they, in, yeah. in, that, in mm-hmm. that particular podcast and they look really positive as well. They've, they said they've earned around 30 grand just on three games in November alone, which is fabulous stuff, isn't it? So. Mm, it is good. It is good. Yes, it is. And, and you know, the, the, the James Rowe factor has um, spawned with it many other off-the-field things that we, we mentioned at the start of the podcast we'd, we'd talk about. Most notably, of course, the £10,000 appeal for uh, for bits of, bits of kit to help on the sports science side. And... Yeah, within 24 hours, 40% of it had been raised. Within 48 hours, 90% of it had been raised, and uh, the 100% was all but raised when when um, the the Bridging Travel Club and personal contributions from from Paul and Kimberley took it to within touching distance, and it continued on to thick end of 16,000 pounds. And yeah. that says so much, Daryl, doesn't it? Really about the, the imagination being captured. Yeah, and, and it's it's this pent-up desire of the supporter base to get behind the trust and the club and what, what it's doing, you know, what, what the the great plan is. Uh, and it's such a shame we can't get bodies in the ground because, as you said, we'd, we'd have got well over 5,000, in my opinion, for that Barnet game because the goodwill factor is there. You only got to, if you read social media, and I know not everybody's on social media, but the change in mood mm. people saying that you know he's put the pride back into the team into the town uh the my football club again 
there's light at the end of the tunnel. I can see where we're going. And all this positivity is it's fantastic. It, it's, it's great to witness. And the guy's been here, what, a month? Is that yeah. all? Yeah, that's yeah. Would, you, would, would you pay 20 quid to watch that? Yeah, pretty much yeah. so. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I, I, absolutely. I, I, you could have put it better, Paul, than uh, than, than that. That's uh, absolutely. And the biggest disappointment of all is, is we, we, you know, you've got to talk to people down your computer about it. You can't go down the pub and talk, yeah. or worse, yeah. at the match and talk. Because I have to say, despite the fact that there are only 775 people at Sutton, it didn't half make a difference. It yeah. felt. It felt like real football, as opposed to felt like like a lot of people call called it reserve, uh, yeah. reserve in football. And you know, it, it, it is you know at the time that you want everybody to be talking about it face to face. It's a real frustration, Stuart, isn't it? That you can't, we can't do that. It is such a shame. Yes, um, you know that 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 the restoration of confidence among the, the fan base, it's such a shame that that can't be reflected by increased attendances and, 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 and a more public sort of feel good factor. You know, Paul says he paid 20 quid for it, but I suspect many thousands more would have done as well. Um, and it, you, you know, and that's because you know that you're going to watch a team now that is, I stands a pretty good chance of winning um, and B, even yeah. if it doesn't win, he's going to play well and it's only ever going to lose because the opponents are a pretty good team, whoever they might be, you know, um, th- th- there's going to be no more of, of, of this just continued sapping decline that we'd seen since, um, well, since Cookie's departure, I suppose, really, um, you know, you, you, you can look now at the football club and have the utmost confidence that those days are gone, mm. you know? And, and, and we, yeah, we touched on it at the last Sky's Blue podcast as well, the Aldershot match. People weren't disappointed that we'd not won that game because their keeper had played an absolute blinder and we mm-hmm. created chance after chance after chance. And you could see yeah. it was moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do get, you know, every now and again, you will fail to score and somebody will score a worldie and you know to, to beat you and and well row gives me the impression that and he said that at weymouth didn't he post weymouth you know whilst it was a great shot you know he, he looked at what could have happened earlier on but you're not going to stop shots like that no uh, and and you know sometimes it, it, it's the ones where you have three opportunities to clear in the box and you still concede which were the type of goals that we've been conceding yeah season after season seemingly yeah. so uh, uh but yeah and it, it, I, I was used to say with with paul cook one of the, the reasons that we used to win all the games for, under paul cook was that we created an awful lot of chances for owen doyle to score mm-hmm. and, and whilst you know owen owen obviously is a very good striker if if he'd have had jack lester's conversion to chances rate we'd have we'd have got 150 points and it's <laughs> You know, uh, uh, um, Doyle's conversion rate was was standard strike affair at that level. But you know, if if he'd have had a one in two like Jack, Le- you know, one in two, one in two and a half that Jack Lester had, um, we'd have scored oodles of goals. Jack Lester couldn't have played that lone striker role. It wasn't his his style. You know, Doyle's movement was there. But all of a sudden, you've got somebody in Asante who looks as though they've got that level of Doyle movement and anticipation. Mm-hmm. 
he, he you know, people say, oh, he's formed an instant relationship with 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 Tom Denton. Well, I, I'd sort of say I don't think he has, but he's a good gambler. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he looks at where Denton is. He looks at the flight of the ball and thinks that's going to go there, so I'll run there. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, oh, Denton's going to flick it on, I'll run. Mm, yeah. You get the impression that he's looking at it and trying to work it out with a bit more slider or precision. And talking about Asante, I bumped into him. Um, uh, I think it was um, well one one day after the, uh, the 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 Barnet game. He was in between Barnet and Brackley. I was down down at the uh, uh, club, just going to uh, uh, I think I was going to the Memorial Garden or something, and uh, uh, saw Kev Wag. Outside, we're having a, having a chin wag with Kev Wag, and out of the club with a Christmas hat on came Claudio <laughs> Sante. So, uh, you know, so, so, oh, you know uh, um, nice hat. Chatted um, about the uh, the hat trick a little bit, and he stayed and had a, had a few minutes chatting. I think there must have been the staff Christmas party or something going off. And I just sort of said to him, oh, "Have we? Um, have you managed to um, do yeah, yeah, your song, yeah, your karaoke song for for?" Um, joining the club, he said, oh, "I did that. I did that at Weymouth." And I sort of said, "Oh, what did you sing?" So, who, who, who what artist do you think Aquasi Asande, at his in, induction yeah. into the team, sang? You know, Paul, what artist would you think he would have uh, sung this song for? Well, I think uh, it's probably something like Luther Vandross or something. Luther like Vandross, does who do you think? I think you're probably a bit more modern than that, so I'll go for somebody I okay. have no idea about. Jay-Z or something like that. <laughs> a bit <laughs> more modern. Yeah, a bit more modern. <laughs> Mr. Z and Stuart. You know, uh, oh, uh, Dennis Brown, the old reggae. Um. Dennis Brown, the old reggae guy. Well, he actually sang an Ed Sheeran song, which surprised Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> that would not mean one. So, yeah, in our scientific poll... Zero percent of people would have guessed the Ned Sheeran song. So, uh, <laughs> but he was a lo- lovely fella uh, in the few minutes that uh, that spent with him. First time I've I've had a co- conversation with him. So, uh, and James Rose sort of said that what they like as people, or as he calls them, human beings, wonderful human beings, is something he says quite a lot, isn't it? Um, that's important to him. Most managers will say that, and then if the right player that he wants and a bit of a so and so, they'll still sign him. Mm. Yeah. But I do get the impression that James Rowe wouldn't. Yeah. Well, uh, it would be Sheridan who would sign exactly the type of person that he he would be. Like so, do, do you know what I mean? Like so, uh, <laughs> I think that's exactly who he yeah, would sign. So. Well, well, like that, Sheridan. You know, Sheridan is the only person on this planet that's ever got maximum out of uh, Davis. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And gave uh-huh. him a, a long a long rope as well. I understand. So, yeah. uh, and he got a know. fair bit like Mike Fondop as well. Dean Morgan, I suppose, yeah. yeah. I suppose he did a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, 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 but you, you need a little bit more than, than, than that. And, yeah, whilst none of us want the break, of course, it'll give Tom Denton's knee the time to recover properly and, uh, you know, there'll be no pressure on shall I play him, shan't I play him and everything along those lines. Give Tyson a little bit longer to, to get yeah. back. Give uh, uh, Coddington a little bit longer to... Yeah. Uh, to, to, to get back as well, won't it? So, um, you know, whilst it's come at an inopportune moment, I don't think it's necessarily an in, in inopportune break. No. So, uh, um, and, you know, the, the games do come thick and fast at this time. You do get fatigue. 
Um, so I, I, I don't think there'll be many teams that go out and play three games and get nine points. No, I think that's probably true. I mean, one of the points you made about the crowd being back at Sutton, don't you think the fact that we haven't been able to ignite the fan base and get them back in the ground makes Rose start to his tenure even more impressive? Definitely, definitely. And I think did I think we mentioned on the last podcast, I don't know, of course he was an older shot um, after the initial, the first home game under Martin Allen. Yeah, when the kickoff was delayed because of queues outside, <laughs> James Rose seen it uh, uh, at its best, and whilst it might have only been mm. a five and a half thousand crowd or something that day, he's seen what a positive fan base can do when they're inside the stadium. And yeah, we won that game three three nil, uh, if I remember. And uh, um, you know, the, the fans more than played their their part. But yep, yeah, we've got ten points from his first three games, uh, which is a great. Great start and a progression in the cup, but you know we, we can't get too carried away. Uh, with a great respect, Kevin Randall got ten points in his first. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes, and then then the next game we lost ten 0 at Gillingham. So <laughs> yeah, you can't always get carried away with ten points from three from four games, can you? Um, uh, no. But if, but if we yeah, lose what, ten if we lose ten nil to Kingsley, I'll fetch me coat. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Well, technically, the next game will be Solihull, won't it? Sorry, sorry. Well, even Solihull. Even Solihull. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, you don't want to be losing 10 0 to Solihull around Christmas or New Year. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what any manager wants to be doing in this club. <laughs> so, so, in terms of, apart from the obvious goalkeeper weakness until Coddington's fit, if, if you were a confident. Uh, a confidant of uh, James Rose, Paul. What, where, where would you be telling him to go and shop to strengthen? Um, I'm just trying to uh, think, really. Who, who would be? Who, what, what area do you think we need covering? And I'm not sure that we actually do now, to be honest. Well, that's a great um, because we've not been able to get that for an awful long time, have we? Stuart? Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, if we'd have done this podcast two months ago, we wouldn't have kept any of the eleven, would we? Really, we'd I mean, replaced we replaced a lot of them. A, but we are missing a direct replacement for Denton, but that, they are very hard yes. to come by, aren't we? So, yes. yeah. you know, but but you know, we've got three strikers mm. at minute. Well, three strikers. Jack Mackay's disappeared off the face of the earth. The FBI are looking for him. I I understand. So, um, and Luke Rawson's on loan, isn't he? So you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Milan Butterfield's gone on loan as as, as well, hasn't he? So, uh, uh, which is no 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 surprise because he's now got a reasonably large squad, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and and the point that he made was if players go out on loan, I want them to be playing to be ready to come back into the first team. So, mm-hmm. it's he, he, clear. Are, are there any areas that you're uh, not worried about Daryl, but that you'd be looking at ahead of anywhere else. I mean, that said, Roe has said he's he's happy with what he's got at the moment. So. Yeah, uh, funnily enough, one and I know we, we've got a bit of a ponchel at the minute for Nicky players off teams we've just played, but I tell you, I thought was outstanding on Saturday for um, for Brackley, and that was the lad who who um, the Zimbabwean lad whose name escapes me, Phil. You, yeah, who, who missed the crucial last yeah. penalty, didn't he? I thought yeah. he had quite a slow start, but he looked a terrific player. And uh, I'm quite happy with the midfield. Don't get me wrong, and I think we've got a few options. But someone with that, someone with that physical specimen, who can also 
play a bit. I think you can never have too many of that kind of player. Um, I think Carline's a real bonus because he can obviously play wherever you put him and he'll do your job. Mm. Uh, um, the only other one, as Paul pointed out, is we haven't got a direct replacement for, for Dents. You probably won't find another Dents. Um, and it was quite encouraging when when the team was announced for the Barnet game and it was it was Bowden and Asante from I think a lot of fans would have thought, oh God, you know, don't know if that's going to work, but it did. Um, yeah. It'd be great to get Tyson back and get the last three, four months out of him fit because he would give you an option that we don't have raw pace up top. Uh, and, and he had demonstrated under John Pemberton his willingness to put the miles in on the park, hadn't he, as well? So yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he'll fall foul of the approach that James... Rose got Shep Murrumbedzi is the uh, the guy that that's the guy. That's yeah. I mean, he, he effectively Tyson kept us up. I reckon last year. Mm. That, yeah, that, yeah, that hat trick. Few yeah. games that the mm. hat trick. I mean, he put in the two. I was I was um, I was at Chorley. I was one. Of, I was on the corporate at Chorley, which we won't go into. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you can imagine you can imagine what an experience that was. But that day in horrible weather. Uh, against a team scrapping for the lives on on a on a poor pitch, he absolutely ran them ragged, left to right, up and down, back to front. He put in such a such a the shift, and and I I think Rowe would love to have him a fully fit Tyson available. Now whether he's going to come back, I don't know, but he'd certainly be for me. He he would be better than than Young Rawson in a run into a campaign if he could get him fit. Yes, mm. uh, and, and he would be a natural sub for Asante in the last 20 minutes, wouldn't he? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's got those, those, those legs, for sure. Uh, and, you know, I know we've not got any more games in 2020 schedule, but for me, we're going to be just finishing off with our, our, our memorable moment each. We, we've got one, I'm sure. There'll be people trying to squeeze extras in. Uh, but that win at Chorley, for me, was the most important win that we put together in 2020 because it just gave us that little bit of a buffer when we all knew that the season was potentially going to to start yeah. going a bit amiss. It just gave us, it, it, it took us above Maidenhead. We still didn't know at that point whether three or four teams would go down. So yeah. it, it took us out of the bottom four and, uh, um, you know, we were hoping that only three went down, but it was it was a real red letter day for, for for me that victory. And to be fair, if you were on a corporate there, and it was that sort of corporate, it was an awful long way from where the corporate hospitality area was to the ground. I'm surprised you managed to find it there and back. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a bit of an adventure, but one I won't forget. Uh, yeah. In view of the result, yeah. But but you know, off the field. On the field, yeah, we keep on going back to the the years PC, Paul Cook, but it just hasn't felt that that way or this way at all since then. And of course, to enhance the Paul Cook feeling or the feeling that we had at that time, that was all about being on the park. You know, off the park, we've 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 got an extra special bounce in our step at the moment. And yeah, we can all look at Stockport, but we'll all feel that lessons were learned 
on that day and they'll genuinely have been learned. And then you can look at the process of appointing James Rowe and seeing it's absolutely right. Raise £15,000 and they go out and buy a big stick, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go and buy a big stick. But, you know, it's obviously uh, uh, there for the for the right reasons. And, and, and whether you're uh, – whatever your, your, your view on tradition is, you know, for, for me, I'm delighted to see a president back at the club who reflects the traditions of the yeah. football club, the other Burlington, who yeah. I do believe visited the, the club the other day. Uh, um, so, you know, off the park, it, it, it's starting to to feel right. And uh, uh, the, the doubts that were rightly raised when the trust came in do, uh, Daryl, and I know, I know, I know like, like myself, you, you've had conversations with the incumbents on more times than than the average guy in the street but you, we all know that they're in it for the right reasons and trying to do the right things properly as well aren't we yeah the the, the lifelong supporters with experience and business acumen where they were lacking in experience crudely apart on the football side they learned very quickly and, and, and took advice um i mean a lot of the initiatives they're coming up with this um, there was something this week that they've done, they? that, um, again, where they're getting um, more liaison and, and, uh, and something with the supporters. I noticed, I can't remember the exact thing, I think Paul Goodwin's involved. And, um, they're just getting the right people in and around the club again, the ones that will give whatever you want them to give. And I'm not saying it's doing it on the cheap, but you need people. You, you need people around the club that have a feeling for the place and, and its history. And, I, and uh, the, all the all the stuff James Rowe said, you know, I've been here three weeks, I think he said to you at the weekend, for, you know, three or four weeks, and I've, I've learned more about the history. I've looked back and I now know exactly what people have been through. And he's, he's clearly buying into the, uh, the community trust and, and what it stands for on all the work they do away from football. He was he was down doing the toy appeal, wasn't he? The pushing the toy mm. the other day and so forth. All these things matter, and it, and supporters relate. Town supporters relate to it. There's no two ways about it. Oh, and one thing that will probably never come out, but it's about to come out, is you know with with the with the toy appeal, which of course has appealed to me quite quite a lot, and I've you know kept a close eye on how it's been going. It's been phenomenal. When uh, um, people who were, were inquiring about it there were obviously a few people who said it might be difficult for us to get into the club and and collect presents which um, is obvious when you when you're thinking about it and I, I, I certainly know this is you know the, the collect the collection and delivery dispersal dates were uh, the, the the Monday and the Tuesday leading up in the Christmas week um, and somebody mentioned that to James Rowan he said well I'll get the place to take them out of course, the COVID, the COVID outbreak uh, put a, put paid to that, but it was just uh, well, yeah, well, we've got plenty of people who can go out and deliver things. So uh, it, you, you obviously mm. reality took took that out of the equation, uh, but that just shows you know he, he he gets all of that sort of stuff, and and I don't think he gets it because he realizes it's the right thing to do. I think he gets it because he knows it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. there's a little subtle difference in uh, in, in there for for, for sure. 
So, um, well, he comes from reasonably humble beginnings in football, doesn't he? You know, he's not he's not big time Charlie. He's been with some decent sides when he was coaching under 18s, under 23s, and stuff, but his his career was non-league, wasn't it, Phil? Mm. Yes, yes, he, he he didn't um, he didn't play for any any league uh, club at any sort of level. Um, uh, you know, the last club he was playing for was Leiston down in the uh, um, you know, sort of Eastern Counties League. I think they're in Stuart, aren't they? And, and it's like George Carlisle. I don't know how much research you've done on George Carlisle Stuart Baston, but I don't think he was ever with a. A league club as a as a youngster playing no. for his chocolate FC wasn't he or something? He was, yes. He um uh, no professional football grounding at all. Went to university, couldn't get in the university team, um and went and offered his services to a local non-league team in in the Birmingham area who are at step seven, I think, which is sort of six below what we are. So no, it was um, Cadbury Athletic to begin with. Uh. Um, and from there, I think he was Cadbury's manager went to um, a club that might have been Hensford, but a club of that stature, um, and took the player with him, and as is the habit in, in non-league football, um, as we've seen, um, you know, with one or two Gloucester and and, and other players coming, um, and that's how he sort of got launched in 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 his career. Went to Solihull Moors, um, and you know has gone on since then. Mm. Um, that hasn't really broken through anywhere, and you know he, he, he's sort of mid twenties or something, isn't he, or twenty eight or something, um, and and here he is getting a chance with us, you know, in the same way that uh, Tom Whelan has, um, and you know I think if you, if you come to those chances later in life, you're in a better position to understand the opportunity yeah. that you've been given and to be able to grasp it with both hands. And we've been saying on this podcast for a long time that sometimes we're probably shopping in the wrong area and, and, and looking and people, you know, the, the thing is, well, well, if you go and shop in the, the, the Conference North, everybody's got a job, they want too much money to turn full time, so you can't get it. Asante came from uh, uh, National League North, mm. Taylor, National League North, Carlisle, yeah. National League North, Jack McCourt couldn't get a club. No, yeah, you had the opportunity to have a club since Macclesfield went. Yeah, went and you wonder whether this old cliche about having to pay them lots and lots of money isn't just a front for the fact that you can't be bothered to go and scout in the National League. Yeah, board. yeah, and and you Tom Williams, whilst he was playing in our division, was a part-time player. So yeah, yeah they're, they're out there. We've got five players who've improved our team immeasurably, mm. and not one of them was playing at our level as a full-time footballer. And it nails the other awful cliche, which is if you go and sign a load of players from the division below, you'll end up playing in the division below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've gone and done that, and we might end up playing in the division above at this rate. Above, yeah. and, and it matches the saying of, uh, of, of Paul Mitchell, who we've you know, yeah. sung the praises, the former Hill recruitment guru. Under Paul Cook, um, who always used to say, "If you're a good player at any level, you're a good player." Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you, it's just up to them, the manager and the coaching staff, to get the best out yeah. of that player and play him in a position and a methodology that suits them mm. in a system of a team that is consistent yeah. and suits the team. So the little tweaks that we said at the top end of the podcast: Evans moving to the right, Hollis moving into the uh, the middle. There you go, Bob's your uncle. Mm. You know, you've, you've got a side that, that's starting yeah. to function and yeah. everything along those lines. And I, I think it's because James Rowe is engaged mentally by the challenge here, you know? 
Mm. Um, I think he understands the challenge and I think he enjoys being challenged in that way. Um, and that's why I think we're, we're, you know, we're seeing this attention to detail and all that sort of stuff um, that, that has improved us. You know. I, I like what you said before about when he was when he sent Milan Butterfield and Luke Rawson. Uh, uh, you know what he what he said about going to watch them watch them play. You know he was ever so delighted, wasn't he? When Luke Rawson he found out that Rawson, Rawson had scored. Mm. You know, and he said, "Oh, I'll, I'll have to watch that 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 game then." You know, so and see how see how mm. he did and everything. So that's that's pleasing to know. Attention to detail. It's not the Sheridan and Lee Shaw thing. You know, he sent him out and and forgot all about him. Mm. You know, even though he was coming in to train with him on a daily basis because of uh, it was a full-time part-time thing going off weren't they so yeah you know it's um it, it's, it's about care, duty of care to your players as well isn't it because you never yeah. know you might need milan butterfield and luke rawson later on in the season you never know hmm. well yeah. milan butterfield was one of the the, the 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 brightest hopes of the first you know seven or eight games of the season yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a player there, you know. Yeah. But it's just, it's just whether you know the manager can get anything out of him. And I think someone like James Rowe is is probably as as well placed as anyone else to do that. But whilst ever you've got Whelan, McCourt, and Weston, oh yeah, there, there are at the moment. There's no place in the starting lineup for him. He's doing no good on the bench, is he? No. So no. Uh, um, you know, it, it's a sensible thing to do, and I'm sure there's the the right clawback clauses in there and and everything. Mm. Yeah. To cover for that, I, I, I saw Luke at the um, the game uh, at, at Staveley Manor's Welfare, the under 19s against uh, Staveley Reserves. He was he was there and uh, saying he really enjoyed the game for Ulfra, and he said his goal was a, a tap in. But you know, the reports all say that he was the uh, the, the top man yeah. on, on on the day. And whilst um, uh, the manager wasn't at that game, George Foster was. So there's a direct link into the uh, into the first team. Just going to watch the the under 19s player Staley Miners Welfare Reserves. Hmm. You know, uh, Regan Hutchinson played in that match. He he got a got a game in uh, in, in there as well to keep that's him good. Yeah, uh, going. Good. So uh, and you know, get the opportunity if you can to to go to Staley Miners Welfare. I know you're a great champion of their course, Paul. Um, you know the, the pitch played really well. It does look odd when you're up there close and you can see all the rubber crumb bouncing about and mm. everything. It, it plays pretty well, you know. If if it looked exactly the same as a grass pitch, you wouldn't know it wasn't a grass yeah. pitch. So, it's that, uh, that glean, isn't it? It's very much like Harrogate, isn't it? So they've yeah. uh, they spent an awful lot of money digging that up, you know, to get their grass <laughs> pitch sorted. So, but, and I don't, but I, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the stage is, but I do believe that the club is heavily involved in... in um, with, along with the council and getting a, a, a similar pitch um, in the vicinity of the stadium as well. Uh, not 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 the stadium pitch, but that will be a community facility, but obviously one that the club can, can train on as and when, uh, as and when required. So um, I, I, I think that might be live for the start of next season. Um, that's a good idea. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that they sort the training facilities out because we, I know yeah. we've mentioned this before, but... You know, they uh, whilst they've got that lease, they need to sort of take their day-to-day operations away from the Technique Stadium if they if they can and sort of move it elsewhere because players going to get changed and everything at the football ground having to drive up to Hasland is uh, in actual fact it's probably a logistical nightmare, isn't it? Really, I think so. Yeah, yeah and, and there is a long lease. I, I, I don't quote me how long it is, but I think I think when they signed it, it was a 99 year or something like that. So there's a you know a generation of four still to 
to go in there. So you can afford to, and I'm talking about it within the terms of the lease, put a building on there where you can, whether you can physically afford to pay for it is a different matter. Yeah. But yeah. there used to be an old um, cricket pavilion there, didn't there, that, that was run down. And oh, they had some porter cabins there for, for a while. So I'm sure it's something that John James Rowe has uh, knocked on the door of John Crute on yeah. more than one occasion. I'd be very surprised if he's not. Uh, well, it's not in a, it. I mean, it's it's very damp at, the, at present by by all accounts, isn't it? So, um, and it, that's not the only place I'm sure around uh, around the country that's struggling to find training facilities that that are uh, that are acceptable. But you know, you need uh, an everyday groundsman if you're going to use it every day, don't you? That's that's a that's a thing. Yeah, that's the cost, mm. isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, to, to do that, but I think I think there is a. You, you might know Daryl, but I think there is a full time. I think Steve's a full time groundsman, but Hasland isn't he? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not sure if it's under the auspices of the club or Premier Pitches. I, I, I don't know that detail, but uh, I think Steve is the full time groundsman up, up there. But yeah, you, you do need a facility to, to change in, have a have a team meeting and everything along. Uh, uh, along those lines it's not just about a bit of grass is it no, no. you can have games there as well you know so you can have yeah. team games there and stuff so yeah. you know if you've got yeah. the correct facilities and whatnot so that'll be the next big crowdfunding challenge then won't it my 50 50 draws running out now i've running out of money so i'm having to chip in so well stably have shown what can be done because not only they put the pitch down mm. they've tarmacked all the car park they've tarmacked yeah. all around the air uh, yeah, yeah. Where the where people stand in there, and they've dug up the pitches next door, haven't they? The chantry and, place and the chantry, and yeah, they're, they're, they're building, and, yeah, they're, they're, they're building new training facilities, yeah. including a changing room. I understand at the chantry just further yeah. down the road, including the car park across the way, which is uh, helpful to them. So that's that's for their junior uh, mm. kids and and ladies teams as well. So they're they're really a progressive team going forward. And this is all granted money from you know yeah. the, the FA yeah. and. And uh, football foundation and whatnot, so uh, you know, which you can we can apply for and receive at that level. You know, I don't know uh, uh, much much else than that. And talking about uh, you, you mentioned Stavely women, the Ch- Chesterfield uh, uh, FC women, I think, are due to start again at the beginning of next month, J- uh, January. And um, Mikey Noon's got them firing on all cylinders. I think they're unbeaten, and uh, if if not top of the league, it's only because they've not played as many games as the people who are top of the league doing really really well right. uh, you know, I've been to a, a couple of games this season they're shaping into a, a, a decent sound they just re-signed Gina Camsfield as well who was the leading scorer for the last year or two who, who moved elsewhere to a higher level side but for whatever reason has, has come back so that's a big boost to, to Mike Noon and the, the rest of the um, set up at Chesterfield FC women. So great to, uh, great to see. Okay. We, we, we promised everybody we'd talk about what's our favorite or most memorable or whatever moment of 2020 to do with Chesterfield FC was. And whilst I, uh, sort of said about the Chorley match being the most important match, you know, uh, I, I think the most important moment will have been the hoisting of the Derbyshire flag outside. <laughs> the yeah. Technical stadium to signify that uh, we've got a new a new set of owners who you feel that we might be able to, uh, to to move somewhere with and yeah we know there's going to be a rocky road but i'd rather be on a rocky road with people who have got the right intentions yeah 
Indeed. Like, so I, I, yeah. It's a massive up yours, isn't it? I think that. So I think oh, brilliant. No. <laughs> 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 I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I thought it was uh, a good, a nice touch. That I thought. Daryl, what about you? Moment, moment of the year's got to be the sale to the trust. Yeah. Um, quite simply, to to end whatever it's been ten years of ups and downs, mostly downs in the last five years, to see the club ebbing away, dying on its feet, um, has just been heartbreaking at times. I mean, I even got to the stage last year where I couldn't face going anymore. And, and mm. for me to get to that point, anyone that knows me, that that's how low I'd got. And I, I don't think I was alone in that. Um, and, and as you say, Phil, there will be rocky times ahead. You know, they're obviously not flush with money. This inequitable split of the uh, the funding's not helping. Having no crowds is certainly not helping. But I think the whole town's behind the club again and the people running it. They will accept mistakes, uh, which we will make and have already made along the way, because they're honest people who are town supporters and they know they're trying to do the best for the club. Um and James Rowe or no, no James Rowe, and you know, I'm I'm as confident as as we can be that we've got the right man for the right time. Um, had had we not had James Rowe, just to have had the club back in the hands of people who passionately care about it and have no hidden agendas and aren't trying to go on some kind of ridiculous ego trip, for me that's the moment of the year. Yeah. And, you know, I know we said this on the, the first podcast after the after the takeover and, uh, you know, we're, we're all glad to see the change of regime. Absolutely no doubt about that. But, you know, we, we can't forget how big a hit Dave Allen took from a financial perspective no, to make no. it happen as well. You know, he, he might not have, you know, he might not have got to the, the, the takeover by the same route that we would have had on our sat-navs, mm-hmm. but got to the right answer yes yeah yeah he could have been vindictive and he wasn't and i think yeah. we made that point three or four months ago didn't we but um it, that that for me is the highlight film. Stuart? yeah um everything that's been achieved uh, over the last few months um you know the appointment of james rowe and, and all of that could not possibly have been achieved without the trust taking over um, had the previous administration stayed in, we would never have had a manager like James Rowe um, because they just wouldn't have had the, the, the football knowledge or the courage to go out and appoint somebody like that, you know. Um, and we've now got an administration in charge that can have a raffle without everybody sniggering about it, you know. Um, <laughs> we've got an administration in charge that will make mistakes, but they will be honest mistakes. And that is absolutely all that anybody can ask of them you know I, to, to to have your confidence in in the background setup restored to have your confidence in the team restored you know so that people like daryl can go along and bear to watch them again you know because it, it, if people start to withdraw from all of that you know they start to get depressed and all that sort of thing and and mm. and, and, and and just having a team that you can believe in again you know you so so if there was Sorry, so if there was ever a time in the whole process where Mike Goodwin and his 
cohorts stood in the foyer and waved Ashley Carson off, turned right up Sheffield Road, you know, and then turned to his colleagues and said, right then, let's get started. That is my moment. Yeah. You know? And, and as you were saying, if people do drift out of the habit, they find something else to fill the time, don't they? And then oh, yeah. they might just enjoy that. And uh, it's, it's difficult to get them mm. back. There is a feeling that the first time that we are open to supporters, unlimited supporters, that mm. that we'll have a, a, a fair few people through the, thanks, uh, through the thankfully game. Thankfully, with the COVID thing, even if people do lose interest, there's nothing else they can do on a Saturday. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, there's only a certain amount of time. Yeah, back yeah. I'll go and watch the rugby <laughs> instead. Oh, no, hang on. You know. <laughs> Perhaps we'll all go shopping. Nope. <laughs> oh, you've got a pen. You've been doing a list. I've all, no, I've, I've just been just doodling. Let's like, so for the fast. <laughs> <I think. laughs> no, I mean, I, just looking at sort of best moments, really. I, I think, yeah, latter half of the, the season has been obviously just putting a smile back on everybody's faces, hasn't it? The, the supporters and and you, you pick a moment that the, 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 the club was took took over. I think that was that was. Uh, a really, really special moment that we've not had when we've been consistently punched in the stomach and around the face for the past uh, uh, six years or, or so. I think uh, just a, just a small best moment I had was when when uh, when John Sheridan was sacked and the the, the uh, <laughs> we had uh, <laughs> and the, the next game John Perrodin, uh, John John Pemberton he just uh, got the, the rallied he had I think he had one training session or something with the. Sheridan's lot that he had and managed to galvanise them into a one-nil win against Sutton when they were they were on less than zero, uh, they were running on fumes by the end of it and yeah. we won one-nil and I just thought the crowd were all behind that and it was the crowd and the players that were left on the park that got the result that day and that was a, such mm. a vital win that that uh, that one-nil win against Sutton and it was just yeah. so important it was just nice to see all the fans got together and it was happy because. Mm. You know, we lifted something, you know, you know, and something, you know, there was change of foot, wasn't there? And it, and it happened later on in the year. And, and you know, there, there was only really the, uh, the Notts County game in that latter stages under Pemberton that we, were no, we weren't in the game. You know, we, yeah. we lost 4-3 we lost three, three at home to Harrogate uh, when, when Muldoon scored last, last minute, wasn't it? In, in what was probably the best game, if you're a neutral, probably the best game of last season. It was a phenomenal game. Hmm. Uh, um, both sides led, didn't they? And then a, a last-minute sting of the tail, and it was a little bit like the the, the, the game uh, against Accrington that, that brought Paul Cook to the club. You know, Accrington, if it hadn't been for Jack Lester, Accrington had won. And on that day, if it hadn't been for John Stead, we'd have won because he, yeah. in the autumn of his career, had a fantastic game, didn't he? And scored a couple. If I remember that. Thorn in our side, John Stead is. What a thorn in our side. Yeah, over the years, he has been for a long time, hasn't mm. he? Uh, even down to the switching the FA Cups of the game, which he yeah, which he played. And of course, we we mentioned Boston United. Let's not forget that they've got Connor De Mayo and Jordan Burrow, two Chesterfield lads, Chesterfield supporters, in their uh, their their side. And there's somebody else, ex our club as well, that I just can't quite remember who it is. Two down there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Fitz. Fitz. Oh, and uh, Ross Fitzsimmons, yeah, Fitzsimmons, yeah, yeah. Uh, or Fitzsimons, we never really understood how you have to say him. Didn't we? we never had a chance to <laughs> to, to uh, talk to him because, he, of course, he, he was playing for us one minute and then not counted them back with us and all, <laughs> sorts, of, all sorts of things. So it, it, it's it's clear that it, it was an off-the-field moment that's been the highlight of, yes. of 2020. 
Um, let's hope uh, winning the playoff final at Wembley with fans there is the highlight of uh, 2021. <coughs> Who knows what the new year will bring? Yeah, it's Make been a, a long weekend of it for the FA Trophy as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're not. We've, the, the only uh, the, the only uh, league and cup double we've won, I think, was the 1980-1981 North Midlands League Cup and double, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, and we took in the Anglo Scottish Cup in there as well. So uh, let's see if we can replicate uh, replicate that. So it's been an awful year for so many reasons in 2020. So I hope you're, you're enjoying our little bits of uh, uh, chat about Chesterfield Football Club uh, over this Christmas period. We wish you all, for what's left of Christmas, a, a happy time, a great new year. And you know, the one thing I want is fans back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just yeah. need just need supporters back in the ground, just uh, lifting this team. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a lift off when it actually happens, isn't it? It's going to be uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So from uh, me, Phil Tooley, and uh, also Stuart Basson, Daryl Carpenter, Paul Fisher. Thanks for listening to the Sky Is Blue. Let's see if we can push for that 126th place. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back early on, I'm sure, in the new year when we're starting to play football again and. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking more about James Rowe and the, the difference that he's made, and, uh, and, and you never know who we might uh, we might even be able to get a guest or two on in the new year when when we can sort of uh, go and talk to people properly. So enjoy what's left of this year, enjoy all of next year, enjoy what we're seeing at Chesterfield Football Club at the moment. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.